Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast, the longest running Gold Coast Sun show on the interwebs. I'm your host Shane and the show is brought to you by our Patreon sponsors, Dale Snelling, Paul Vosti, Robbie Fiorini, Brody Burgess, Tom Kim and Tim. Thank you all support for supporting the show and to join me to talk about the Suns today, one of our Patreon sponsors, Paul Vosti. Welcome back to the show, Paul. It's good to have you on. Thanks, Shelling. Uh, looking forward to it. And uh, it's been a good uh, good three weeks for the Suns. They've uh, certainly um, stopped the Melbourne, Melbourne media and all the uh, critics down south of, uh, three or four weeks ago when they were getting stuck into the club. So uh, it's been really promising the last three weeks. Yeah, it's amazing how long, uh, how quickly things can change. They say a week is a long time in footy. A month feels like bloody years. And uh, the Gold Coast Suns' last month of football has been sensational. Uh, What, the two wins against Richmond that no one expected. They grinded out a a fantastic win against the Giants, which, again, no one gave us credit for. And now to come up against the Western Bulldogs, a side that beat us by just over 10 goals uh, less than six months ago. And uh, now it was an 11-point loss, but a very solid and brave loss to the Gold Coast Suns. 11 goals, 13-79, the Dogs 14-6-90. And it could have been even an even closer margin if it wasn't for a few dubious umpire calls that went against us. Um, we don't like to focus on the umpires on this show, but we got to say there was a couple of things that just didn't sit quite right with us. Uh, probably the most obvious one was that ARC score review. We were just talking about it off air, Paul. Uh, it was an atrocious decision to to not get right, was it? Yeah, well, you, as a footy supporter, with you, you question when people are in paid positions that the guy that's sitting in, in the ARC, if we can all see it, if everyone can see it, Jared Healy can see it, the commentators can see it, that he doesn't have the power to actually call that decision and say, uh, uh, goal umpire, you got it wrong. Because it was, you know, it was a foot over the line. So, and like we were saying off air, when you're playing these top sides, it it does come down to a few little moments that, you know, we you just need a bit of luck on your side. And even your reference to the Bulldogs, uh, the first time around we played them, I was watching with Wayne. We, we went to the game live down at... Uh, at Marvel, and everything went right for the Bulldogs that first half. You know, Trelaw kicked a goal from 80. They, they had a couple bounce through that did Shane Warne leg breaks, and it was just like, oh, my God, we, we can't can't take a trick here. And at the same thing on the weekend, you know, we just there was just a few little decision-making issues late, late in quarters. Um, you know, young Will Powell, who's having a cr- terrific season, just sort of panicked with, 30 seconds to go and lost possession when he could have released to another player and, um, you know, Bulldogs kick a goal on the siren, you know, with two seconds to go. Um, so it's just those little things that, you know, this young group have just got to tidy up that will um, that will change these um, great, you know, losses that we're proud of because we go and support them and we love the, the way they're playing at the moment. But they'll... they'll those will turn into uh, wins against the better opposition. Yeah, and another one there, that Chris Burgess holding the ball, which directly resulted in a, a dog's goal, that was a bit stiff as well from my eyes. But back to the arc, I mean, mm. 
yeah, Jared Healy summed it up pretty pretty much spot on 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 the couch last night. Uh, that the goal um the arc review is is limited with what it can do. It doesn't have the power to directly overrule a, an umpire unless there's conclusive evidence. Um, so either the the ability to gain that evidence, the video footage, the cameras, all that sort of technology either needs to be a lot better or, as Jared Healy put it, uh, they probably need to lower the, the level of proof they need to overturn something like that because, you know, we all thought it was pretty pretty much a go, everyone in the crowd, and uh, there was a lot of boos that came around as soon as that was called <laughs> behind. Um so yeah, it's something that certainly needs to be worked on. The Suns were unlucky with that, and uh, they probably could have been even closer than that eleven points if a few other things went their way. Um, multiple goal scorers for the Suns: Nick Coleman, Alex Sexton, and Ben Ainsworth each had three apiece, and Ben King managed to kick two goals. The only uh, negative I would have with that is that they were our only goal scorers for the game. Four goal scorers for a game of football is not enough to win you games of football. And um, that, that's one area that the footy club needs to get better at is finding other avenues to goal, mainly from our midfielders, because as you can see yeah. from that list, it was it was all our, our forwards and not even the, the key forwards besides King. It was uh, the, the mid to small forwards that really stepped up and had an impact. Um Ben Ainsworth, he's been sensational since he came back from his uh, stint in the in the VFL side, and he bobbed up early and really got the Suns off to a good start, didn't he? Yeah, and I think like with Ben and Braden Farini, like that's the evolution of this list and the the depth that's been created within the club, especially in the medium size, small forwards, half backs, midfield roles. That there's depth in all those positions now, so they're actually, when they're going back, they're going back to find some form. And, you know, knowing Ben quite well, he's a very determined young man and he didn't want to stay down there long. So, you know, they, they're going down with purpose. And whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, the club probably wasn't in the position to even drop players. People were getting gifted, gifted games and there was no sort of purpose of dropping them because we didn't have good enough talent in the in the VFL side to to come up and create pressure for spots so you know apart from the the key uh, the tall backs and forwards and the ruck position all the other positions across the ground have got a lot of uh, depth in the in the reserves at the moment yeah there's certainly a lot of depth and we'll need some of that this weekend we've had the injury list break it looks like uh Weller and Markov are a test, but from what we've been discussing, it sounds like uh, they're, they're probably going to take the cautionary route with uh, Weller. It's his second concussion for the season, and we all know that uh, concussions are a really important issue in the AFL, and they're probably... Well, I would hope they would uh, look after Weller's best interests, and if that means him re- sitting out for the rest of the season or taking a delayed delayed return that would be the best thing for him and for the football club uh sam day is listed as one to two weeks he's got a foot injury brandon ellis who pinged his hamstring in the first quarter of that game is out for three weeks and holman 
the star of the first quarter for the Gold Coast Suns, has injured his abdomen, according to the Gold Coast Suns site, and he's listed as TBC. Now, I could reckon I could probably pinpoint the exact moment that he might have hurt his abdomen in that game because he got a crunching tackle after he kicked a beautiful goal, and um, he seemed a bit sore trying to get up, but he I think he played out the game. So if that was the case, that was very courageous of Nick Coleman, and that's sort of what we've come to expect from him. Yeah, it's not the first game that he's played out with um, what's been uh, post, post-game post of significant injury. He's, uh, he certainly can handle pain, and... Um, yeah, even he has issues with his back as well, just from a management perspective between games. So you know, I know that's why he's one of uh, Stewie's favourite because he, um, yeah, he certainly is prepared to give everything he, he can for the club and him, and his teammates. Mm. Well, let's discuss some of the other performers from this game. Turk Miller doing what he's been doing all year: thirty-eight disposals at 73% efficiency, 17 contested, and 8 clearances. Braden Fiorini having his best game since he's come back, 32 disposals at 75% efficiency, 13 contested, and 6 clearances. And uh, Rising Star nominee, Jeremy Sharp, 30 disposals, 518 metres gained, and 10 marks. That's a great performance from the bloke playing only his 6th game of AFL footy. Yeah, and, you know, again, watching it live, it's funny how when you go watch um, uh, the footy live compared to TV, you can get a different perspective. Like, the TV can show some things better, but live can show other things better. And one thing with two is, uh, you know, I was talking to some guys at the footy about his ability to push back and help defence from clearance is just elite. He, you know, literally was a centre bounce and... There he is, and he's getting a handball in the back pocket. And his work rate is, um, you know, is going to really pull this group through. And you can see that with young Jeremy Sharp. You know, he's he's got a massive engine as well. And he's, you know, when you watch him live, how how much uh, ground coverage he's and and he's running on top of the ground late in the late in the game as well. And I think that's also it's been helpful that we've been able to hold, even though he got a few games late last year we've been able to hold this kid back and and make him earn his spot and make him learn all the right ways and now he's come back into the AFL system and he one he's hungry but he's his body's ready he's fit enough and he's come back and he's making a you know a great impact and I'm sure he's you know I'm sure he'd be spending countless hours with um with Alice and having him as a role model and seeing how hard Braden trains and works as a wingman so you know these kids now have you know got genuine people to look at at the club and say well if i want to be a an a-grade afl player this is how i have to work and it's it's showing and then you know and it's great it's great for young uh, for Braden ferini to you know he's 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 done it hard you know and i'm sure he's had periods of time in the last six months where he's probably been thinking about his future at the gold coast suns and but he, he loves the club and he loves living on the Gold Coast and they've got a young family and he's in you know, he's been in the leadership group and he's he hasn't chucked in the towel and now he's come back and he's he's making a significant impact at AFL level again. Yeah, do you do you think he's got 
um, the backing of the club to, to stick around and can he continue this uh, this current form or I guess the can he make the position that was vacated by Hugh Greenwood's injury can he make that his own now yeah it's yeah look I think look clearly now they're not they're not gifting any games so they're picking best best side at all all, all times and you know, there's going to be, you know, like Darcy McPherson was third in the best and fairest two years ago, and you know, is in and out of the side. So there's there's players there that are on the on the fringe, ready to pounce if if a position, you know, if a position opens up in their their area of the ground. But look, I'd like to see that as we head towards the the 2022 to 2024 window where you know we must contend for finals and we you know have to put together a list that not only can contend but can you know be a genuine threat that you know the huge greenwoods roles then change again and you know who might end up being more of the role that he played at adelaide where he was you know a forward with a little bit of midfield minutes um but you know that's not for me to um say how it would unfold, but I see, you know, like even Dave Swallow might end up reinventing himself off a back flank. He played some little, you know, some some time off half-back on the weekend and he was very good. So there's going to be, you know, that, that'll that be in Braden's hands to how well he can play, but he's he, he's certainly an AFL player. He, if he's not at the Suns, he'll be able to play AFL football somewhere else because he's proven it when he gets his opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of other players that are making the most of their opportunity. Uh, the three concession players, mature age players that we got handed by the AFL a few years back, uh, Corbett, Burgess and Collins are all having a huge impact for the Suns. Um, Corbett was fantastic again on the weekend. His contested marks is really something which really helps the Suns out and sets up as a, a link man going forward. Um Collins is as solid as ever in defence, keeping defenders goalless in most situations. I think his opponent, uh, Josh Bruce, only had the one goal uh, on the weekend, if that. Yep. And yep. Um, uh, the other player, Chris Burgess, he, he's been fantastic since he's had to take on the role as the primary ruckman in the side. Um, I felt he broke even with English in the hitouts. And um, that's shown with the hitouts to advantage. I think English only had 12 and uh, Burgess had 11. So to match someone like English with hitouts to advantage is really impressive. And he also did his bit around the ground as well, I thought. Uh, yeah. um, look, they nailed those three picks. They've, they've not only have proven to be good footballers, but they're good people. And, and you can just see, uh, you know... With Collins being out injured so much, how much of that impact that had on Charlie Ballard's, Ballard's season in the early middle stages. And then as soon as Sam's come back and freed up Charlie and also the directional talk he gives Charlie on the ground, Charlie's Ballard's last month has been outstanding. But, you know, he was he was in a little bit of a patch where he was probably, you know, again, having to wear shoes that were too big for him because, you know, he's a kid, just a kid and we had no Rory Thompson, no Sam Collins and 
Caleb Grahams, you know, has played 15 games as well. So all of a sudden, Charlie's the number one defender and he's played 50 games of footy. So, you know, how good will Sam Collins be next year with an inter- uninterrupted pre-season and Rory Thompson coming back into the side? How how good will Charlie Ballard be with Rory Thompson and Sam Collins in that back six? Yeah, getting, so it's, it's... getting the continuity, getting uh, Thompson back and having an injury, uh, uh, injury-free pre-season and hit at it certainly makes that defensive side suddenly look very imposing to opposition forwards. Uh, a couple of players that also had great games, we already discussed Holman having a huge impact, but Sexton as well, he led the, the entire t- uh, team, uh, the Bulldogs, everyone with the forward 50 ground ball gets. Not a stat we hear too often, but he was front and centre for contests, um, marking contests, and he really reaped the rewards. He had six forward 50 ground ball gets. Um, the highest any Bulldogs player got on that night was two. Uh, Nick Holman had three as well. So those two were really setting the stage for the mid and the small forwards. And it seems like our forward line's finally starting to click. So that's really yeah. impressive. Now, that was his best game for the year, for sure. You know, he's had a an up-and-down season as well this year after probably being our number one forward for the last couple of years. So, you know, it was good to see him find some form on the weekend. He was, you know, he was very, he was lively, exciting. I think he kicked three goals, four, um, and had a hand in a couple others. So, you know, that's all you can expect from a, a half forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we discussed Collins and Ballard just before, but another person I want to mention, Caleb Graham. Now, we've been, or I've been critical of him on this show before. He had a really good game, I thought, without being too impactful. But uh, he led the way for the Suns with spoils. He had 11 spoils. Collins had 10 and Ballard had 9. So despite uh, Caleb Graham seemingly like he was out of the play, he certainly did his bit in quelling the Bulldogs forwards. And uh, I think, I think he may just turn out to be an AFL quality f- fullback if given the time to develop. Yeah, and and we were talking about him off off air as well. Is that I'm sure internally the club would have thought um, they might have only got one or two games into Caleb in the first couple of years of his development. Um, if it wasn't for the injuries that have occurred with Wits and Thompson, he he probably would have spent the lion's share of the season in the VFL at fullback, learning his craft. Um, so they're getting they're getting games into him they didn't expect to get, and you know he's proving to be quite versatile. He's, he pinch hits in the ruck. He has played forward and back, and you know he's he still got a bit of a issue of his kicking, but um, he's got great hands. He's He can take a mark. So, you know, I think he's... Um, I think they'd be very pleased with where he's at for what they thought... for where they thought he'd be at, the, at this time. Yeah, it's still, like you said, his kicking's still an issue and very nerve-wracking when they start doing chipping around in the back line. And Caleb Graham's part of that, uh, that group of uh, blokes touching the ball. 
Um, moving on, what didn't work? Well, I felt like the tackles could have been better. Uh, Miller and Fiorini led the way with seven and six, but in the past we've seen higher numbers than that. Uh, not having Hugh Greenwood is obviously going to impact that as well, but someone needed to stand up and try to lay a bit more, a few more tackles. Um, Bontempelli for the dogs, McRae for the dogs, they were all over the place and they had every opportunity to be tackled, but they were all too strong and the the amount of fend-offs I saw uh, was a bit concerning that they were able to just push some of our players aside so easily. Yeah, look, Bontempelli's a pretty special player. Um, a couple of times in, in that second quarter where you know, we were starting... You know, we had ascendancy and he just basically grabbed hold of that game. There was a couple of times he just, yeah, he looked like a monster. Um, but saying that, Bulldogs also do play a, a a quick brand of uncontested footy, which leads to less tackling. Like, they do chip the ball around and move it quickly. So sometimes, you know, you just you don't have as many tackling opportunities. But I do agree there were times where they looked like... Um, they did monster us, and not having here Greenwood, that you know he would have he would have stood up to Bontempelli. Um, but you know, again, we know we know the age profile, we know the game's profile. Um, these things are going to happen. The, the big monsters are going to get hold of us at certain stages, but they're not going to get hold of us for much longer. And the you know it's starting to already turn. Yeah, it is. Um... You've moved up recently from Melbourne, Paul. You're up here now on the Gold Coast. You were at the game on the weekends. How did the atmosphere vibe with you? Obviously, you were enjoying yourself, having a few drinks. Did um, did you hear much from the crowd? Uh, there's been a lot of discussions over the last few weeks about how good the, the how loudly the Vic Suns cheer. But uh, what did you think of the noise the Gold Coast Suns fans made up here on the Gold Coast? Yeah, look, it's good. And and what's exciting is that, uh, look, it's such a great stadium. And, you know, I wasn't here in the the Ablett era when, uh, before he did his shoulder, and I think they got twenty or 22,000 people to the, the game then when they were sort of probably having their most successful season. So from a visual Thinking forward, I, you know, I could just see that stadium with twenty to twenty-five thousand people being pretty intimidating place for opposition to play. Um, even going down to the fifth quarter after the function and listening to Dewey and uh, Darcy McPherson and uh, Jared Harbrow and a few of the boys spoke to the the members that were down there. Like they're very passionate, you know, and they're. I love wearing the sun's colours and there's a lot of kids coming through that love the club and yeah, the um the guy down in Melbourne he he used to be Sonny Ray, so he was the Melbourne mascot and now he's got the drum and yeah, he's a bit of a legend. He's he's creating a creating a bit of a following for himself and getting a bit of exposure. So no, it's look, it's great and all all this packaged up with seeing more more people supporting the club interstate, um the media now getting, you know, playing Richmond on on main main TV and beating the reigning premiers and and the 
it's all the momentum is all happening, and and this is the thing: momentum can work in two ways, it can be positive and negative. And like you said, with um, a week's a long week in footy. You know, we, we're on this mo- positive momentum now, where we're getting media people enjoy what we're bringing to the table. So we, it's so important that we finish that this season with the hard draw that way. So if we can finish, it, not wins and losses, if we can finish and play that brand of football against Brisbane, that brand of football against Melbourne, that brand of football against Carlton, against Essendon, against Sydney, we win one or two games, great. But if we can just bring that energy and uh, Gold Coast brand, then where you'll lead to a bit later about um, upcoming the draft, then the player managers will be ringing Craig Cameron. They'll be saying, our player likes what he sees. But if we were to continue the way they were and have that that bad three weeks and that bad three weeks become a bad ten weeks, well, then that momentum has gone the other way and the Melbourne media are, you know, basically eating the club and, you know, the president has to stand up for the club instead of, you know, being a president. So I think, um, long long story short, I think it was fantastic on the weekend. I think the momentum and the supporters, it's just growing all the time and the atmosphere is terrific. Yeah, the supporters are definitely growing all the time. Uh, Metro, I noticed on the weekend that they'd sort of dialed back a bit with the music that blares uh, at, after goals at the siren, at the game. And that, that's had a bit of an impact, allowing members to be a bit more vocal and be heard when they're cheering the, their sons on. As you said just then with the... Um, drawing a blank. Uh, the... Oh, my God, this is... Momentum. Yeah, the momentum at the end of the season, it's so... Like, that's an understatement. It's so incredibly important that the Gold Coast Suns continue this form for throughout the rest of the season because, like you said, that sets up next year, that sets up the confidence that they have to play this brand of football and match up against no matter who they come across next season. But also, in as far as attracting people to the club, it sets a real precedent for their preseason training and lifts those levels as well. It's so membership, mem- membership. You know, people just buy then buy next year's membership because they just they see they see the future. Yeah, you know, that's it's, exactly it's, it. It's um, so it's so it's so powerful. I mean, from the last eleven years, the hope as a Sun supporter has really come in the the off season uh, the trade and the draft period and seeing who we're going to get but it, it doesn't usually last this long into the season by this stage we're usually tired we're usually worn out the suns are really digging in and having a crack this year and it's really impressive i think every sun supporter is on board even if we lose games the fact that they're they're in these games right up to the to the last couple of minutes of each game is really impressive. Uh, sneaking the odd win here or there is really important. They can have a huge impact on the finals results if they keep playing like this. I mean, we, we play Brisbane this week at, up at the Gabba. Next week looks like it will be Melbourne somewhere as well. Uh, you know, that could implement, that could stop these two sides from, from having a home final in the first week of finals if they get beat by the Suns. Uh, it's it's really important that they continue this and they they carry this further. 
Okay, let's jump over to a new section that we're going to introduce for the rest of this season, trade talk. So rumours are starting to pop up every week about players the club might be interested in or who they're chasing. And this is where we will dissect all that and discuss what sort of players the club should actually be chasing. So let me ask you this, Paul. What positions do you think the Gold Coast Suns need to fill in the off-season? Oh, I think nearly, if you did a straw poll, I reckon 99% of people will say the same thing. We need to um, the second second ruck forward to back up when Witsy comes back, um, a, key, a key forward and a key back. I think uh, the, the midfield, the, half, the small to mid-sized half-forwards, the wings and the and the back, the back seven or eight are all. Um, we've got plenty of depth in those areas, and we've got young talent coming through in the the VFL with Eliza Hollands, Joel Jeffrey, Davies, McPherson, those type of guys, uh, all playing those mid-sized roles as well. So I think we've got you know a lot of um, a lot of talent in that area. So. Emerging talent, but yeah, the the tall timber. Uh, you know, you I, I waffle on sometimes, but what Ben King's doing as a a third year player in a key position at the moment is amazing. You look at his brother, and his brother's got you know the support he's got in the forward line at St Kilda compared to what Ben's got in terms of talls. Um, you know, he's 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 one out, and he's been one out uh, basically his whole career. So, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's doing a, a stellar job. So if we can find support, um, you know, Sam Day's been good as well, but, you know, he's getting to the stage, you know, he's 29 or 30. So, you know, that premiership window, the clock that we talk about, um, Sam could be, you know, 32 when we're coming up to that period of time where we're going to be genuinely in the hunt. Okay, so tall defender, tall forward, they're the sort of players that we're looking for. Uh, the players we've been linked to so far this off-season, uh, the, the latest one is Rory Lobb over at Fremantle. Uh, we were discussing this off-air that he's averaging about a goal and a half a game. He's a, a ruck forward, apparently on the big dollars as well, but is entertaining idea options to, to go to another club. What are your thoughts on Rory Lobb? He, to be honest, he reminds me of a Kurt Tippett and a Tyrone Vickery. Uh, they're the two that pop in the mind that have these games spasmodically throughout their careers that they just jump off the page like he did a couple of weeks ago, contested marks, kick five goals, and you go, wow, Rory Lobb, Kurt Tippett, Tyrone Vickery. But over over the course of a season, uh, they don't they don't give you enough. Uh, I'd I'd be putting I I personally if, if you got him for the right price, you know the right terms, you know three to four years at the right right dollars. Will and he wanted to come here. Of course, you wouldn't say no. We're not going to entertain it. But if he's after uh, the the superannuation contract, um, yeah, I wouldn't be. He wouldn't be at the top of my list. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, the the 
what's being reported is that he's his partner's looking at jobs in Melbourne. So for starters, I don't get how that is, relates to the Gold Coast. But also, yeah. I think she works for um, VRC Racing, so the Victorian Racing Club. So or her, ex, her ex-boss has got a connection there. So, yeah, I'm not sure how that leads to um, Gold Coast unless she's going to get a role at the Magic Millions. Yeah. So it's one of those ones that I'm not sure about. I don't think is a good decision for the club. And I'd say for the first time in my life, I'd have to agree with Matty Lloyd and what he said today about um, the Suns shouldn't go there. It would be a, a bad decision and they shouldn't be opening their checkbook. They're sort of past that stage and they need to focus on uh, developing players and bringing in players that will complement those players. So that would be a no for for Lob for me as well. Uh, Daniel Talia from Adelaide, a key defender. What are, what are your thoughts on him? Look, he, was he a two or three time All Australian? You know, he'll, he's had a cr- great career, but I'd have to check his age. I'd say he's probably thirty one or thirty two. Just don't think he fits the profile. Like I think, again, you know, like we we spoke earlier about. Collins, Corbett, and Burgess. You get them their age profile, so it's no point making a desperate decision. Say, oh, we've got to get someone that's six foot five, but he's only got one year left in him. You, you're probably better off just getting more games into Caleb Graham. I, I think our age profile of who they've got to chase has got to be twenty five to twenty seven, so that. You know, you've got between five and six years. We're going to get out of this out of this guy, and they're coming into their their best parts of their footy to line up with where this football club's headed. This football club's headed, you know. Let's say uh, we're at I don't know, maybe maybe nine o'clock on the premiership clock, and your premiership clock starts at eleven. Maybe we're at eight o'clock, eight, eight or nine o'clock, but we're we're certainly not at three or four now, you know, so we're, we're moving towards that that period of time. So you you have to look at these players that are, are going to be there when we think we're going to be there yeah, to contend. You've got a really good point. And a lot of fans, I feel, probably over, over forget this stat, but we we really do have to look at where the list build of our, of our team is. Um we're, we're probably looking at playing finals realistically in 2022 to 2024, sometime between then. Um, yeah. So, so we're looking at players that are going to fit into that age group, be around throughout that that period of time. So we're looking at people immediately under the age of 28, and then on top of that, you probably want a little bit of sustained success as well and room to grow. So you'd be looking mm. at people in around that age group of twenty six or so to to not just um, not just have an immediate impact at the football club, but be able to complement and help develop the the talent that we've already got on the list. Uh, we were talking off air about how much talent the Suns actually has in that midfield already. Uh, Alex Davies, Elijah Hollands. Um, you know, Lockie Weller isn't currently playing. We've got Brandon Ellis, who just missed the, the last game with injury. 
there there are so many players that the Suns have on that that list that can run through that midfield and have an impact. They just mm. need to get a chance to develop. Uh, Will Brody's another one. Um, so that they certainly have have the talent on their list, and uh, it's probably now time that we need to get mature bodies around them that can complement them and grow with them, not just um, be here for a year or two as a, a stopgap. So yeah, like we like with Talia, if 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 Talia, for example, wanted out of Adelaide and and there was a like a, a Jordan Lewis, a Luke Hodge role type of role where he he played for one to two years with a with a coaching role moving forward. Well, you'd entertain that, but what I'm saying is, I I don't want to see the club make a desperate move to hand out a big superannuation check to someone and and give a contract that's you know too long and too big for where they really stand in the game. So, you know, we've got to re-sign King, Lukosius, Rankin, um, you know, Flanders re-signed this week, which was terrific. But, you know, there's Rao, Anderson. There's going to be, you know, some big signings that need to happen in the next 12 to 24 months. So you've got to be careful of how you spend your money as well. Yeah. So if we look ahead at the list of names I've got in front of us, um Scratching off all those blokes that would probably be too old. Um, we're, we're looking at players like Callum Coleman-Jones or Mabby or Chol, who the Suns were linked to several weeks ago. Um, they've both had standout games and they've both had some pretty quiet games as well playing for Richmond this year. Do you think that these are targets that would better suit the Suns, Callum Coleman-Jones, as that uh, key forward that can ruck? Uh, Mabby or Chol also plays a similar position. Yeah, absolutely. And and even the one down at Geelong, Radagalia, like um, maybe a fresh start. But, you know, you can see what's um, happened to uh, the small guy up at um, Brisbane from Geelong that basically hasn't missed a game. Lockie Weller's best mate. Um, Lincoln a fresh start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, sometimes a, a fresh start can can change a footballer. So the, the trouble with the two Richmond boys is that how are you going to get them out of there? You know, like Hardwick's going to be sitting down with them saying, right, Jack's got one year left in him, two at the best. You know, we, you're, you're our next Jack Rewalt. Um, you know, it was like Noah Bolter. Like, I thought he would have been a terrific get for the Gold Coast Suns, but, you know, they signed him up for four or five years. So if if you could get one of those two out of Richmond, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd certainly give it the big green tip because I think they've both got enough upside. They're, their age is right. They've, they're being taught by the best. They're training with the best. They're getting great habits um, and... And they want, and you know, they'll they'll come up here, and I'm, you know, I'd be pretty hopeful they'd make an impact at at, at the Suns because in that position, we don't have a lot of depth. Yeah. So I I don't think I think it's certainly gettable getting one of those blokes out of Richmond. Um, Mavi or Chol, for instance, he's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, we could we don't have to trade for with Richmond to get him. We basically just have to convince him to, to come up here to the Suns 
Um, so that could be a dollar value that we might need to chase to, to get him up here. He is a, he, I won't say he's a Queenslander. I don't know exactly where his origin is, but he has grown up in Queensland. So it would almost be a homecoming for Mabior. Uh, Coleman yep. Jones is probably the one that would cost a bit to get out of Richmond. He's incredibly valued down there. Um, they really rate him. He was a first-round pick a few years back, and uh, he he's the player that they view as their next key forward to replace uh, Tom Lynch and Jack Rewalt. So he's the player that we'd have to give up a bit for. I also think he's probably got the highest potential. So someone like Coleman Jones, if the Suns were able to get him, they I certainly feel they've got the draft capital and the the finances to convince him to come up here. It's just a matter of uh, getting in his ear and convincing him that he can he can immediately have an impact up at the Gold Coast Suns, be a number one or number two banana next to Ben King, and uh, really enjoy his footy up here in the sun. So that's what the Suns what? need to do. What about Sam Wiedemann? Sam Wiedemann's another one that I would... I, I sort of haven't given Sam Wiedemann too much attention because I do feel like he he is a player that we just don't have any chance of getting. But if to say that we could get him, I'd be all over that. He's, he's probably the best option out of all the players that we've discussed. Uh, he would probably cost a bit more, but he's... he's potential and his talent is undeniable and he could really he could probably even overtake Ben King as the key forward up here at the Gold Coast Suns. It's a big call. Yeah it is. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it'll be interesting to see what top offers are thrown thrown around for him because I'd say Collingwood will will go in pretty hard for Wiedemann and um but yeah, it's um, but you can see like even look what's happened with Port Adelaide with Alia Alia. So you know, if you can pry one of those guys out and and they get a second chance and they get to play consistent footy, you know, you there might be a, a diamond diamond there that we can um that we can find. But um, I'm sure I'm sure Craig Cameron and the the list list uh, management team would be uh throwing their hat into the ring at anyone that they think's uh, in that age profile of a key position, flexible, good person, um, you know, and especially if they're coming from one of the uh, the better clubs that have got good systems and good good programs. I know they like to recruit from the Richmonds and the, uh, the Geelongs and the, the clubs that have had success, then, um, you know, Getting players out of North Melbourne or uh, clubs that have been more down the bottom. So, yeah, interesting. It's going to be an interesting uh, trade this year because we definitely are probably for the first time in um, you know five or six years aren't going to be focusing on uh, putting all our all our marbles on on the young high level talent. I think they're definitely going to be looking at uh, strategic um, players to round out the list that they're already happy with all right thanks for joining me tonight paul that's all the time we have for tonight uh hopefully we'll have you on the show again soon but until then go sons thanks sharon see you